Welcome back for episode two of season two, our very own Tuesday. Not as exciting as 2-22-2002, but we'll, make, we'll do our best to yeah, entertain we'll you. we'll do our best. So yeah, it's uh, recently been a palin, palindrome, palindrome, uh, basically means the date reads the same um, back to front, and there's another word that means that uh, it can be read the exact same upside down as well. So it's a very, very rare thing, um, literally only happens once in a lifetime because we will never see one again. Um, the next one would be, in theory, th 33 of the third, but you can't have 33 days. So we're gonna die before we see the next one. So sorry to start us off with death, but um, it is travel with a chance of murder. So um, you'll have more coming at you later on in the episode. Uh, so before we get into where we're headed and stuff, I realized that last week I didn't take you through one of our traditional podcast things. Okay. So at the beginning of each episode, we usually do a countdown, and then we say something that comes to mind about the place. So for Northern Ireland, we would have gone one, two, three. And you say something? And you say whatever. So you maybe would have said Giant's oh. Causeway, and I would have been like beer or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, do you want to go ahead and announce where we're going, and then we'll count down, and, and we can do that? Yeah, I think that's a pretty cool idea. So, do, do, do the viewers do it as well? Or the listeners? I think they play along. Okay. I like to think they play okay. along. Yeah, we'll do that. So, um, we are going to, drum roll please, Malta. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Malta is an absolutely beautiful place. Um, but before we get into that, I'd like to play this little one, two, three game. Do you want to do the counting, or do you want me to do the counting? I will do the counting. I think I can manage counting down myself. I'm, you can make it? Okay. Yeah, I'm a big boy. Three, two, one. Beaches. Brugan. Okay. Okay, so we're on the, we're on the same page. Um, beaches, yeah, kind of. Um, but we will we will get into that in a little bit. I would say I'm only on actual track of what's there, like 10% of the time. Glad to hear this is no different. Yeah, Malta is an absolutely astonishing place. Uh, it's a little uh, collection of islands, so it's an archipelago, um, in between North Africa and the south of Italy slash Sicily. Very, very small. I actually went to Malta on a whim. Um, there was one, one week and um, I was bored. And I was like, right, I need to go on holiday. I want to get out of Northern Ireland. So um, I bought a flight to Malta. And three days later, I was flying to Malta. And it was the best trip I've ever been on by myself. It was absolutely beautiful. So yeah, Malta um, is quite a fascinating place. It's the 10th smallest country in the world. Ooh, it made the top 10. Yeah, so it's Or about, bottom 10, depending on how yeah, you look at it. Yeah, whenever you look at it. Um, it's, oh, I can't explain it. It's fascinating. Um, but it actually consists of three islands. Okay, so it's not one big area. It's three islands. Uh, these three islands are called Malta, um, Gozo, and Camino. Uh, which is kind of weird because one of the islands are called Malta, but the entire country is called yeah. Malta. Hmm, interesting. So as well as being the 10th smallest country in the world, um, a little fun fact about Malta is it's actually got more tourists than residents. So more people visit the country than actually live there. Than live there. Yeah. And it's one of the most densest countries in the, um, in the world because so many people are jam-packed on the islands. They're very, very small islands. Um, there's no rivers in, in Malta, there's there's no mountains, there's no forests. It is literally like one of these islands you see on Google Maps and you, there's nothing really there. 
um, except for there's actually people living there and it's absolutely beautiful. It sounds like a perfect place for like a meditation retreat if it's just so quiet and still and there's not people really around. Although it's a very dense place, you know, one of the islands, Camino, it's um, the smallest of the islands, it's it's empty. There's only like three or four people who actually live on the island permanently. Uh, but yeah, you're right, it's a great place to go away, to get away from the world. Um, now Malta, although <clears throat> may not be a, a country you quickly, you know, typically think of, um, it's actually really, really old. It's been it's been it's been in use for a long, long time. And uh, Malta actually has some of the oldest man-made structures in history. They've got some of these um, megalithic temples that date way back to three thousand six hundred BC. Older than Stonehenge. Older than Stonehenge. Um, all the way up to five thousand BC. Now, when you think about the pyramids of Giza, four thousand six years, four thousand six hundred years old. Wow. There's some buildings on this little island islands 400 years older than the pyramids of Giza like that's just mind-boggling 5,000 not 7,022 years ago that is crazy and we're only 26 yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big number so yeah you know th these are these buildings are older than Giza Stonehenge Great Wall of China these typical ancient things that we that we think of are dwarfed by this little island um, now, throughout time, Malta has been at the forefront of many, many empires because Malta is situated in a pristine location. Just north of Africa, south of Sicily, it's in the slap bang in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Mm. And all this here naval passage and shipping has to go around Malta at some stage. I like the heart of the trade route. Yeah, yeah, like that. It's, it's, it's like a little watchtower area and it has a great influence on the area. Um, now because of this, um, many empires have fought over it. Now we've got empires way back to the Phoenicians. You ever heard of the Phoenicians? Oh yeah. Uh, so we've got the Phoenicians, the Carthaginians. Haven't heard of them. They're before Rome. Uh, then the Romans, then the Greeks, then the Arabs, then the Normans. So Normans you're talking 1066. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the Aragonese, which are a, um, a Spanish essentially. All the way up to the Knights of St. John. Uh, the French, <laughs> and most recently, and the last um, rulers, if you will, uh, of Malta, the British. Is anyone surprised? <laughs> <laughs> hey, yes, the British were there. Um, so yeah, though throughout all these here years, every culture has left some some mark on the culture, on the on the history, on the development of Malta. And mm -hmm. um, whenever I went to Malta by myself a few while ago. Um, the thing about Malta is you can literally explore the entire country in a day. There's no place on Malta in which you are more than a 20 minute walk away from the sea. Wow. Walking. Yeah. Obviously as a crow flies, as a straight line, but 20 minutes. Like you imagine that. It's, it's a very small country. They even drive on the left side of the road because they, because they were... Uh, left over from the British? Yeah, left over for the British. Well, yeah, whenever I, whenever I went, um, I told my grandfather at the time, and he gave me a story of whenever he went to Malta, whenever he was 20 or whenever he was in the Navy, and he described to me um, a perfect scene. I managed to find that area, mm. and he told me where him and his mates were sitting on a wall, and um, one fell off, and long story short, but I went to that wall, and I took a picture of myself on the wall and I showed my granda. And that was, you know, 60, 70 years difference of, and we, because the country is so small, 
we are able to actually be in the same location at different times, which is pretty interesting. That's really special. Yeah, it was quite a, quite a unique moment. So yeah, you know, Malta is a great naval base for the Mediterranean um, e-commerce. I should have looked um, into pirates. I'm sure I could have found a good pirate story to tell on the podcast. Pirates would have been absolutely amazing, and there has been pirate activity. But we're not talking pirates with eye patches and with legs and stuff like that. But yeah. there is piracy. Um, now, little thing about Malta. If you look at the Maltese flag, which red is on the on the uh, right and then white is on the left. Now, if you look at the left of the Maltese flag, very top left, you'll see a little symbol. And this is the King George's Cross. Have you ever heard of King George's Cross? No. You're King George's? Yeah. King George, um, okay, uh, King George was the King of Britain. And the King George's Cross is a civilian comparison of the Victoria Cross. So if you've done something amazing in war or something like that, um, you got the, the King George's Cross. Now, the thing about the King George's Cross is it's, it's given to individual people for their heroism or something of amazing they've done. But in this particular example, the entire country of Malta not the people, well, yeah, including the people, obviously, but the country itself, the, the, the idea of the country was given a King George cross, which is pretty interesting, I think. And the reason this happened is because of World War II. Oh, wait, can I... I was not going to guess that. I was going to guess because it's, like, safe passage from the crazy, like, seas, so it gave them that moment to restock or refuel before getting somewhere yes so if you, it's kind of it's kind of linked to that in the war during the world war ii uh, malta was as we've mentioned a great naval base you know control of the mediterranean and stuff like that now during world war ii it was still under control of britain and obviously britain was one of the allies and the axis the enemies were germany and italy and they wanted to take over malta um, to help control their their sway over the mediterranean um, so if Malta fell, you know the war could have potentially went a completely different direction. Now the Maltese people are a absolutely astonishing proud people, and during the war between 1940 and 1942, Malta underwent many many bombings and sieges and starvation, and it just wasn't a nice place to really be. I couldn't imagine myself being constantly bombed you're starving and you're constantly having to fight off you're just living in fear you're just living in fear and you gotta remember this this island you can walk across it mm. in an hour there's no place to hide there's <laughs> no place to hide now through all, through all of this Malta never surrendered they're a very strong and very proud people and they never surrendered they, they fought off every assault and attack and thus the King George's um, award was given to the island of Malta so to as I quote bear witness to the heroism and devotion of its people. And once again, no other country has ever received wow. this word. So that's a very brief synapse of Malta's recent history. Uh, we're talking 60 years. There's no way we can cover it in a podcast dating from When five, it goes back to the 3600 BC? To, no, 5000 BC. Oh, <laughs> so sorry, it's even sorry. further. But let's, let's touch on a few of the amazing things that I personally experienced in Malta. Now, Malta uh, is, is the first place that I went to by myself, and I I just felt a, a warmth, a glow. It, a, it just feels like your brain just switches off and you're just there in the world. 
Yeah, before we go exploring, let's just do like a quick plug about how important it is to do one solo trip in your life. Yeah, I think it's very, I think it's very important. I've done a few, but where, where have you been? Solo, solo-ly? So, solo? By myself. Yeah. Um, I went to Venice by myself. I went to Budapest by myself. I did quite a bit when I studied abroad um, because my schedules didn't always align with my roommate. So sometimes I would go and she'd meet up and sometimes I would just pick somewhere that she'd already been so I'd be yeah. there by myself. Yeah. Well, for me, Malta, Malta is my first solo trip and it's obviously the best of my solo trips partly the best of all my trips um <laughs> they're still they're still high contenders but it's oh it's amazing but anyway let's um let's dive in let's it. explore so the few things the three things that we're going to be looking at is uh the blue lagoon uh the gozo ferry and some of the filming locations um and what movies have been filmed in in malta now these three things are just what i find amazing Malta is huge in culture and history. It's got a lot to it, uh, but once again, we can't cover it all. So the Gozo Ferry, okay? Any idea what the Gozo Ferry is? I feel like you're setting me up to fail here. What is the Gozo Because ferry? I'm going to say it's a boat, and you're going to be like, LOL, of course it's not a boat. You're wrong. It is a boat. Okay. Yeah, so it's a boat that is very cheap. It's a huge boat, and all it does is it, it just ferries you across from Gozo to Malta. Oh, right, because it's a group of three different exactly. islands all in one country. Uh, so the Gozo Ferry is about 40 minutes sail from the islands. And the reason this ferry is so reminiscent to me is whenever you're, whenever you're going on the ferry and you're in between the islands, you're in the sea, there's no lights, the boat turns off its lights, obviously, you know, it keeps on the light so it can see. Um, but I remember I was lying on my back on the deck and I was looking up at the sky and the entire world is lit up with stars you see all the stars you see the galaxies kind of like the the fuzz of the galaxy you see the moonlight just beating down across the um, the still ocean and it is such a eye-opening experience to what life is it's not just screens and TVs it is really being in the moment of nature and that's why I love the Gozo Ferry. See that's why I wish I didn't get motion sick so easily because I would love to be more into like the boats and the sailing just to be able to kind of get away from the stuff that we've made as humans and just be out in the middle of yeah. the ocean where it's so calm and peaceful but I just can't with the movement. So that's why I thought whenever I was going to do it but because I'm you on the same as yourself I get motion sickness. Um, but it's only about 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and it's a big boat, like it carries trucks and stuff like that. Right, so there's so no, you don't feel the waves. There's no sway, and it's between the islands, so there's no big waves moving moving the boat unless there's a huge storm. So there's hope for us, yeah. uh, motion people. Yeah, there's hope for motion people, and to be honest, if you go to uh, Malta, you have to get the ferry, isn't it? Isn't, isn't, you can't fly into Malta? Well, you can fly into Malta, but you're going to have to get the ferry eventually, because you can't, there's no point going to Malta and staying on one island. Gotcha, yeah. You can't drive across the ocean. There's no bridges. <laughs> you can't drive across. <laughs> you, I mean, you, you probably swim. So um, that's Gozo Ferry. Now the second thing I want to talk about is Blue Lagoon. Now whenever I was going to Malta, my friend said to me, I should go to Blue Lagoon. And I asked, well, what is Blue Lagoon? And they said, well, it's just a little uh, jot, it's a little bit of the island that's cut out and it's just a beach, really. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want to go to a beach. Don't underestimate a good beach. See, that's what I did. Um, 
but it's not a traditional beach where you see you know sand and everyone sunbathing and stuff like that it's cliffs that are about 10 meters high 30 feet roughly three basketball hoops three basketball hoops we learned that from the last podcast um with a slight um slope into the ocean and this water i don't know what it is i don't know if it's the reflection or the coral or i don't know but the water is literally blue like <laughs> like obviously when you look at the water it's still clear but whenever you're looking at it it's just a sea of blue and it's really really weird but interesting at the same time the water is so still it's refreshing and it's amazing now this year blue lagoon um it's it's on camino like camino is the the smallest of the islands and camino is um it's a wildlife sanctuary and whenever i went to blue lagoon all the tourists were there as well and i was like oh i don't want to go to the beach yet i want to walk around a little bit mm-hmm. and i remember walking around and i could smell lots of freshness and flowers and herbs i remember smelling something I didn't know what it was until I came home and realised what it was. It was cumin. Oh. Yeah, cumin. Um, and the reason was, well, obviously cumin was grown there. Now, Camino, translated to Maltese, is... I'm sorry for the Maltese people out here. It's uh, Kimuna. Can't really pronounce it. Um, and that is is cumin in, in Maltese because it is the... Um, so fragrant in the air. It's so fragrant in the air. And I'm walking around, you see lizards, you see little snakes. Oh, my mom would hate it there. Oh, she hates amazing. the little lizards that run out in front of you. It's beautiful, I love it. <laughs> um, now on, on Camino, you can, do, you can do a lot of things. Uh, you go snorkeling, you go diving, you can go caving. Um, really beautiful area. And there's also St. Mary's Tower, or a bastion. And it's basically a big defensive tower built in 1618. Uh, and you can hike to it, it's only about a half an hour hike. And um, once you're there, you can have these amazing views of Camino, Gozo, and and Malta. Oh, that is very cool. You can see the islands that make up the country from the top. Yeah, so it's weird that you can... I'm actually thinking about it now. At that position, you can see the entire country. Yeah. That's a weird thought, that you can see all of the land of the country from one location. Obviously, you know... There's probably only nine other places you can do it with the smaller places. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. Uh, now, there's a bit of a word of warning for people who are going to Malta. Bring sun cream. Sunscreen. Sunscreen, sun cream, sun protection. Okay? <laughs> the biggest you can find. And make sure it's waterproof. I was an idiot, and I didn't realize my sun cream was not waterproof. I went for a swim in the Blue Lagoon. Amazing. Oh, no. And guess who got sunburned? Got a little crispy. I will I, without getting you know NSFW on this podcast, my sc- my skin peeled for two weeks. Ugh. I wasn't able to lie on my back for two weeks. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you know the um. You were like deep fried. I was I was <laughs> KFC'd. <laughs> you know the aloe vera after sun spray. Yeah. My skin was so burnt that after that spray being sprayed on me hurt. Mm. Yeah, it was painful. So yeah, bring bring sun cream. Okay, so the last thing that I'd like to discuss is some of the amazing filming locations on Malta. Uh, Malta has very old infrastructure, uh, very um, sandstony infrastructure in buildings, which makes a great uh, great set, set for, for many um, movies and series. And the most famous series that has been filmed on Malta and its islands is Game of Thrones. 
You watch Game of Thrones? No. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like you're looking at me, waiting for me to be so excited. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was waiting for some, um, some enthusiasm. Yay! There we go. We got Whoa, it. Oh no way! So, um, Malta. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Cassidy. Sorry. Malta had the original King's Landing on it. The King's Landing was sounds impressive. There's no point me explaining explain what King's Landing is. You haven't watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> but the people will. The, the people, people will know. Will. Um, so yeah, King's Landing was in Malta before they changed it. In, in season one, episode five, where Ned and Jamie fought, is in Malta, mm. and uh, Littlefinger's brothel. I'm sure Jamie is my favorite character. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you wouldn't say that though if you knew the. the, the uh, <laughs> well. um, yeah, so Littlefinger's brothel. So I've been to all three of these. I went to a King's Landing. I went to the fight of these people, and I went to a brothel. Hey? Littlefinger's <laughs> brothel. Yeah. Um, you've also got Troy. You've got Gladiator, and you got World War Z that were filmed. I've seen World War Z. Good movie. It's yeah. filmed, filmed in Malta. So that's all I've got to say about the the little things I found fascinating about Malta. Uh, it's truly a, an amazingly beautiful place, and. I would highly suggest everybody goes and visits it solo because it is a, an island, a group, uh, archipelago, sorry, um, that can really open your eyes. Did you hostel or did you full on hotel? I went to a hotel. Okay. Uh, because remember, there's more tourists than residents, so there's a lot of hotels. You have your choice of accommodation? Um, yeah. It's really good. Okay. What kind of temperatures are we talking? Um, I remember going into the ocean this year, Blue Lagoon, and it was about thirty degrees out. Not not the ocean, the the sky, the sky, the air. Uh, about thirty degrees Celsius, which is um, it probably is like eighty or ninety in Fahrenheit. In Fahrenheit, I'm not too sure. Um, but there's Italians beside me, and they wouldn't get into the ocean because they thought it was too cold. And sitting here, this year, you know, you know, your Northern Irish boy who's pale, well, yeah. then then sunburnt. So I went around enjoying it, but yeah, it's being spring sun cream. Yeah, that sounds like perfect vacation weather. So you've learned a little bit about Malta, uh, the history, the culture, and what's really um, what's going on. But you didn't come here just for the travel. You came here for the murder too. We've got Cassidy as always going to line us up with some murder psychology. Psychology, not psych. Oh fuck that. <laughs> Yeah, so last week we did paranormal. Paranormal, that's what I meant to that's say. That's what you're searching for. We're rotating away from paranormal this week. We'll do some true crime. So yeah, instead of being scared, you'll be probably a little sad by the end of this episode because it's, um, depending on who you talk to, it's an unsolved case. There's a bit of contention around okay. what happened. So, so we started off this episode with the sad stuff, then into the good stuff, and you got to bring us back down. We're coming back down. Oh, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> So we're diving into the unsolved death of Mike Manschultz. And it's fairly recent. It's only a six-year-old story. Oh, Lord. Okay. So. Make of it as you wish. Six years is... 2016. Twenty. Yeah. Pre-COVID, though. So... So had some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I had, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so July 2016, uh, Mike Manschultz is traveling to Malta. He's 17 years old, and he's going with his girlfriend... Um, they're visiting from a town in Germany. They're coming to the island. It's July. It's probably pretty warm, like you said. Yeah. Maybe hot. Definitely sun cream time. A nice little romantic vacation. Yeah. So they check into Astra. It's a small hotel on the eastern side of the island. 
and they spend a few days enjoying the scenery. But then the girlfriend decides it's time for her to go home. I don't know if she had some like important thing to come back for, but Mike decides to stay longer by himself and continues to explore the island. Okay, so he's solo traveling, which I've suggested that we do. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm sorry, people. I don't, um, please don't hold me responsible for anything that happens. So on the morning of July 18th, there's hotel camera footage showing Mike exiting his room at 8.39 a.m. He goes and, I assume, goes out for breakfast. He comes back at 9.10, settles his bill with the hotel. He's wearing a blue t-shirt, some sunglasses, goes out and runs a mountain bike. Okay, pretty normal, yeah, mountain bike. Shoots a text to his friends on WhatsApp at 10.11 saying that he was going to check out the Realm of the Dead catacombs in Rabat, and this is kind of the last trace of him. Oh, don't tell me he's disappeared in the catacombs. Not quite. Um, oh, oh, I don't like that <laughs> idea. So, the mountain bike shop owner um, expected him back that evening, but Mike misses his return back into the harbor. So, the shop owner contacts the authorities just to say, hey, this guy didn't return his bike. Yeah, not, not so much as in I care where he is, it's more of I want my bike back. I think a little bit of both. I'm sure it's a bit abnormal that, yeah. you know, to get lost in it's island. a little more high risk, I guess, of an activity, mountain biking. Yeah, I'd say that. So maybe that's part of it as well. The authorities don't alert anyone. They kind of just filter him into that category of, oh, teenager, lost track of time. Yeah. Had a few too many drinks. Or... Maybe just not the most responsible. Okay. Not really a huge red flag to them. But four days later, on July 22nd, when Mike is supposed to board his plane home, his mom and his sister are waiting for him at the airport, and there's no Mike. So that's when they're like, something is wrong. No one's heard from him now for four days. He's not on his plane home. What's where's, going on? Where's he going? Mike's mom reports him missing to the authorities in Germany, and they get a, an official case number, and he becomes an official missing person on the 23rd. So when the German police detectives go into the system, they're like, this is strange. There's a police case already for him in Malta. Mm -hmm. But the authorities didn't really link up. Then the hunt really begins. I guess, like, the Malta police just didn't really do yeah, anything. They, didn't, yeah, they did just, the paperwork to file it. But just mixed communications and... And no action was really taken. Yeah. So... Now, this gets kind of confusing because the files and the police reports have a case of holes. There's lots of questions that are unanswered, evidence that maybe disappears. Um, but this is kind of the timeline that I know. So here we go. Um, it is July 24th now. Mike's dad flies to Malta because through an anonymous tip, they report that a body has been found matching Mike's description. Oh. God. So. That'd be horrible for the dad. Yeah, and you just don't know. It could be know. him. It might not be him. You're just feeling sick the whole time you're getting there. So Mike's father is literally on site while they're, like, taking the body out of the location. Yeah. Someone tells Mike's father that the body has a broken back due to a possible fall. It's kind of a cliffy area that, that the quote-unquote crime scene has happened. Yep. Yeah. So then Mike's father goes to the morgue to identify the body, and suddenly at the morgue, they tell him that there's no broken bones. 
Oh, now we're getting spicy. So that's kind of the first inconsistency. The second one is Mike's father notices that his son's camera is nowhere to be found. Okay. And so he gets Mike's belongings back from the hotel room that Mike had checked out of. And whenever Mike does sports, his father says, whether it's jumping into water, climbing, he documents everything with a small camera. And, you know, his father testifies with an affidavit that Mike definitely had his camera in Malta. It wasn't with him in Germany. He flew there with it, but it's not in Mike's hotel room. So where could it be? So, yeah, why is it missing? And where is it? So they recover three pieces of evidence from the location. They find a pair of sunglasses, a camera case, and Mike's Nike shoes, but there's no camera. So also missing is Mike's wallet, his credit card, some cash, a hat, and an extra phone charger. So his general, so it sounds to me like he, you know, he, he packed himself up a little bit. Or were these things missing from the hotel? Just missing in general, yeah. So yeah, it sounds to me like he packs himself up a little bit and then... Went for a day trip and then something happened. So now that they've identified him, they send his body back to Germany for the family to have arrangements and kind of say goodbye. It's August 17th now and Mike's body arrives home. A funeral director goes to open the coffin expecting to smell, you know, the chemicals that go along with... Ah, the embalming fluid and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But the coffin has a smell of a decomposing body. So the undertaker calls the police because obviously a couple steps have been missed here or something happened. And so in the investigation, the police and the... I want to say morgue, but I feel like at that point it's not the morgue. Uh, the mortician is the person that will fix the body, yeah. That's the word. Right, set, for a funeral. They get, so yeah. they discovered that the body's missing its organs. So the organs have just been completely, like, gone? Yeah, so from the left kidney, diaphragm, spleen, colon, there's only some fragmented remains of what should, be should have been there. And Mike was not an organ donor. Okay, so there's a lot so, of things that aren't really adding up here. You know, 30 days without, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't properly made for for a burial yeah so because he's now missing organs and there's kind of some missing items from his person the german police decide that this could be a potential crime and they order an official autopsy so the results for the family are quite shocking they get told via a letter basically that mike hadn't been embalmed and that the cause of death is no longer determined oh The German forensic scientists cannot find anything that a 30-meter fall would have left behind, especially if there's no large wounds. So then it begs the question, would he have actually passed away there, or did maybe something happen somewhere else, and then he was moved to the bottom of the cliffs? That's a good point, actually, because you don't break your back and not get cut. And Yeah, he didn't break a single rib. So the different theories are either that, you know, maybe Mike crashed, and so... He fell, um, and that's kind of the story that the Maltese government tell. Another story is that he maybe was accidentally shot by hunters, but there's no bullets in his body. Uh, Another one is maybe he had an accident on the road and was hit by a car, and so then the driver brought the injured body down below the cliffs. Or, But then again, that also doesn't really show the consistency with what the forensics are showing. They're kind of two different scenarios. So the information isn't matching up with the 
the the idea is really and the yeah there's nothing really linking yeah so then they're like okay maybe he's a victim of a robbery because he doesn't have any of his valuables on them mm. yeah there's a lot of different theories that have kind of been thrown out there from sleuths uh, another one's that he had exhaustion and then passed away from either the heat or dehydration but there's no evidence that we can pull from that because the organs are no longer with the body so I presume the, the Maltese morticians have no accounts of removing the organs? There's no documentations that show that they did that. Oh, well, they oh. From what I could find online. So his father still believes that a accident is highly illogical. He believes there was at least two people at the scene, Mike and the person who took his backpack. The German investigators have said the state of the found body is inconsistent with the fall, like I said. And if he did fall, his stuff would be with him. There's no reason that his stuff would vanish if he fell off the cliff. I didn't even, I didn't even thought of that. <laughs> I was a very bad detective. I didn't even consider that. So Mike's father, which I like to think my family would too, something bad happened to me, was just not accepting no for an answer. Very he strong. continues to investigate goes back to Malta in 2017 and there's kind of a there's like a legal debate about who's got the actual grounds to investigate almost is it the German case or is it the Malta case okay like who actually has the right to do this stuff so there's lots of back and forth at the government level but the foreign office in Berlin gets the cases from the Maltese government in Berlin um, but there's documents missing then they have to go back and forth some more. And then at the end of January of 2018, because I think there's so much government Mishandling. conflict, okay. and and I think at this point it was probably becoming a little more high profile. Yeah. They reopen the case in Malta, but the Maltese government come to the same conclusion that Meg fell off the cliff. And at this point, the German public prosecutor's office is coming to the same conclusion and saying that maybe the trees on the cliffs slow down his fall and then the rocky bottom kind of worked like a slide so it slowed the impact of his falling. Yes. So that's why he didn't have any kind of giant injury. But then again, where's his stuff? But where's the backpack? And I suppose, you know, you're, although you're sliding down, you'd have some cuts, you'd have some something else bruised or broken other than just your... Yeah, if there's trees, there's branches. Branches yeah. can be sharp and snag on you. Yeah, you'd find that in the body. You'd find that in the in the clothes. So Mike's family continue to contest that this is what happened, and it's been you know five years at that point. The family continues to ask them to reconsider their conclusion. They write letters to get the police commissioner to reopen the case but they continue to get shut down. So the latest that I have comes from July of 2021, where Mike's family has now hired lawyers to reopen the case and answer the questions of how did Mike die? Who was with him? What happened to his organs? Because anyone who actually has access to the case files can see there's lots of doubts in the case regarding what happened. And if the German courts uphold the request put forward by the lawyers, then Malta will be bound to execute the judicial cross-boarded decision um, due to principles of mutual recognition within the EU. So I think it's just a big fancy way of saying they have to yeah, that's the give EU, yeah. all the information that's unredacted and yeah. hand it all over. So it's hard to imagine the grief that this poor family has endured 
to be left with so many unanswered questions. But that is kind of the end of the story right now. That's quite, I can't imagine that. that that's a very, I'm sorry folks, I said to go solo travel by yourself. Um, it didn't originally start as a solo travel. True. So don't go traveling to Malta with your girlfriend. Just don't go to catacombs by yourself. Don't go, we forgot about the catacombs. I think that's the big one, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Spooky. Yeah, I don't like covering unsolved cases because it's so unsatisfying in the end that... You don't know what's happening. You don't know, but I like to think that there will be justice one day for him. What do you think happened? Let us know, because we have no idea. Drop us a line. I feel like something bad happened, but did you feel that Malta was safe or you felt unsafe? I feel Malta was absolutely safe because it's so densely populated, it's hard to find a quiet area, if that makes sense. Well, and I would assume that, you know, if tourists make up a big part of how they make money, they would be welcoming you with open arms yeah. as well. So, I don't know, I want to say that he fell, but it just, there's so many weird inconsistencies that don't align with that. Yeah, could have been, I don't know, maybe he left his backpack with the, the, the bike rental place and they, t they sold it as insurance because the bike never came back or, you know, because the camera was sold or something. I don't, I don't know. Or maybe it's one of those, you know, you're riding along, you kind of have a little stumble, your stuff goes over the edge, and you're like, oh, that was scary. Yeah. But it's too far out of reach for you to get it. He tried to go but down. But you're like, oh, no, 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 I don't think that he would have tried to go down, but like, it, oh, oh, well, it's just stuff. Yeah. I'm just going to be more careful as I get back home. And then riding back home, maybe that's when he went over. Possibly. You know, like maybe there was just that little jerk of, oh, scary stumble. I need to be careful, and then maybe there was a bigger yeah. bump or something. That so there's a lot of theories, lots of lots of ways we can we can spin it. But yeah, thank you very much for joining us, people. Um, I hope you've had a little bit of interesting thoughts about Malta and um, its history and why you should go. And hopefully, your brain has been tingled by the the uh, the thoughts of unsolved true crime. And we'll see you at our next destination. We'll have to go somewhere. Back in North America, I think. Oh, what are you thinking? We'll leave it as a surprise. Okay. But we'll see you next week. Bye. On behalf of the flight crew, thank you for flying with us and have a pleasant day.